Hello, returning A Play on Nerds listeners, and to any new listeners and Walking Dead fans. You're about to listen to the first episode of the Stuff and Thangs podcast. This will be a weekly review show where A Play on Nerds contributors Garrett Yoshitomi and Jerry Herrera will review new episodes of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, and some discussion of the comics that started it all, with all sorts of fun random tangents as well. You can find more of Garrett and Jerry's work in written form on aplayonnerds.com. Enjoy the show. This episode of the Stuff and Things podcast contains spoilers for the season six finale of The Walking Dead and spoilers for the season two premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. There are also minor comic book spoilers as well as speculation on future episodes that may be considered spoilerish. Enjoy. To the Stuff and Things podcast, part of a playonnerds.com. I'm Gary Yoshitomi, and joining me is Jerry Herrera. How's it going, hey, Jerry? It's going well. Um, and we also have a special guest today, um, offering his thoughts on The Walking Dead, providing us with wisdom. The Rick Grimes of a play on nerds, Jarman. <laughs> oh man, what a compliment! That's amazing. <laughs> I was going to say Negan, but I think I think Rick Grimes probably fits better. I think my co-host on the regular play on nerd show, Stephen, would be more than Negan. He's definitely a villain. <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have the yin and the yang, right? It's, a, it's a solid balance. <laughs> uh, and if you guys are regular play on nerds listeners, as you can see, this is a new podcast that I'm have nothing to do with. It's just going to be Jarrett and Gary here talking about Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and. <laughs> All that stuff. So I'm just here to be like, hey, guys, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> we need that encouragement, though. Absolutely. It's, it's good to have that. Um, so, yeah. Did you say Jared and Gary? Jared and Gary. <laughs> did I really? That's hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's all. We'll take care of that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, well, that's where all yeah. that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. totally yeah. stated. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably leave that in. Yeah. It's beautiful. No, I like it. Jared and I'll Gary. I'll change my name. Not yeah. you guys or somebody else. I like them better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the ones that are actually telling telling insight, not us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of insight, um, the Walking Dead season finale was um, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. Um, it was quite controversial, kind of in the aftermath. Um, but Jerry, what did you think of the episode? What were your kind of general impressions? Uh, overall, it was. I was actually really tense throughout the whole episode. Uh, it wasn't until afterwards. Uh, you know, and the big payoff didn't happen, you know, and uh, so that, that's when I really started seeing it for what it was. But uh, in the moment, um, the Carol Morgan thing was was pretty exciting. I really thought that, uh, um, you know, that was kind of the end of the line for Carol until Morgan showed up. And his decisions when it came to saving her uh, were also pretty surprising. Um, and then, you know, then there was like a big you know, reveal halfway through the episode. But then when you think about it, the rest of it was just uh, Team Maggie trying mm-hmm. to get to Hilltop and they were, uh, yeah, and they were being waylaid left and right, um, yeah. by, you know, by more and more saviors. And so that was, it was really nerve wracking for me because you're starting to see, as the group is starting to see just how many people they're up against when they really thought that they had taken care of all of them when they raided that, that base. And, um, 
So and then it really it it built up so perfectly with the whistling and and they were finally cornered and he pops out of the RV and it was really 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 great and I was like here it comes, you know I I just to the I had and then it to, never it never got there and it just yeah. never got there you know I was uh, I had settled up with the fact that somebody that I really cared about was probably going to die and it was to the, they teased it so much to the point that I was actually like looking forward to it which is kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, who did you think was going to die? Uh, my money is on Abraham. Uh, that's who. Yeah, that's actually who I thought too. Uh, only because um, of the fact that it's already been kind of. I think Kirkman's gone on record saying that it wasn't going to go down the way it goes down in the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and technically, Abraham's already dead in the comic. Yeah, uh, and we could talk about that. Yeah, because like. Abraham in the comics, he gets Denise's death. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, maybe they spared him that death to kind of have maybe a more impactful one with Negan in the show. Well, uh, and the the other thing that I was thinking too is they've he's kind of been talking about um, in the past couple of episodes being afraid to start a relationship and a family and things like that. And he's throughout like the last couple episodes before the season finale, he's asked different characters like Daryl and Glenn himself and, and Rick, you know, if they're, if they're scared of finding love or, you know, starting a family in this mm-hmm. horrible, horrible world. And the whole thing with Sasha is really, really new. And, you know, they just agreed to have, you know, to make a go of this love and family and settling down thing. And wouldn't it just be that much more painful if they were just on the on the cusp of this beautiful relationship and then he gets his face caved in? <laughs> Isn't that kind of the way the show always works where the one episode where you suddenly are getting backstory from a character you never really talk about much, that character always dies that episode? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and that could even be seen as sort of lazy storytelling because we're like, oh gosh, we've got to build this guy up before we gruesomely kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, they did the same thing with um, Noah. I believe mm-hmm. they gave yeah. him, yeah, they gave him, um, you know, that moment with, um, the co-founder of Alexandria, the guy that built the walls and stuff. And then, Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah and then he gets his, 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 uh, cheek ripped out, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's definitely an interesting angle on Abraham being the victim for me. It was basically like when during the point of view scene, and Negan hits the person once and then says, oh, taking it like a champ because, you know, the person gets <laughs> hit and then you see them raising their head again. To me, like just watching that, it kind of just felt like that's an Abraham kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but granted, that could be other characters as well. But that was just kind of my gut reaction. You have to think about the the people that would be that defiant at the end of the road for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some, somebody that, that sees that they're about to die and goes, you know what? Fuck you. I'm, you know, I'm not going to let you intimidate me even though I'm about to get killed. So yeah, that would definitely be an Abraham or a, or even a Daryl, but I don't think they have the guts to kill Daryl. Well, that's a good point too. Cause a moment before yeah. they show the per- last person dying, uh, uh, I just forgot his name. We were just talking about him. Red haired, big dude, big dude. Abraham. 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 <laughs> they, just, they, they had just shown him. Uh, Negan walks over to him, and then he's the one to look straight up in his eyes and just you know look defiantly at him. So you're right; that could have been like a precursor to him doing the same thing after he gets hit in the head the first time. So it could be. Yeah. 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 And I actually. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. No, no, no. Go. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to. It's. 
about a different character. Um, you brought up Daryl. I actually, so this isn't my theory. This is my girlfriend, Kristen's theory. So I, I have to give her credit. Kristen. Yeah. So it's a point of view. And when you look at Daryl, he always has all his hair in his face. So if they do a point of view shot, you and it's him, they should have that hair in the camera. Oh, but in this case, they didn't. So I don't know how true they would, you know, kind of stick to that. Like if, like, you know, Glenn, like a lot of characters kind of have hair in their face, like Glenn kind of does too. Um, so we'll see. Like that and like the shot con- continuity, like I know, like if you go on like the Walking Dead subreddit, there's like <laughs> all these different people like diagramming the scene and like analyzing it. Um, and I just don't think that the key is necessarily in that kind of stuff, but it's interesting to think about. On the yeah. Talking Dead afterwards, say I think it was Kirkman or, or the other producer, I can't remember his name offhand, but they were saying that they were joking around about checking out where Negan was walking, and he said, well, there actually is some kind of clue in there. And he mm, like, just, yeah, I guess I he said that just to make the, the audience go crazy or the fans go nuts on Reddit. you know. But yeah. And then someone slowed down the video. Have you seen that? The slowed down the sound? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds like them saying, Glenn... Yeah. So I mean, that could be bullshit too. But who knows? Oh my lord! Uh, see, and the the thing is, is it, it bothers me that they leave it up to interpretation. Um, basically, letting the fans do the storytelling for them uh, instead of having, yeah, you know, like a clear I- a clear idea or you know a cliffhanger, and uh, in the in the practical sense. Maybe they really didn't know who they should kill uh, uh, during the season finale, and they said, "Well, you know what? We'll figure it out later. We'll drop the contracts. We'll see who's doing what." Because uh, it's happened a few times where, like for example, I think Beth um, was photographed doing other things. You know, like because she's a musician, like playing shows and things like that. And that's yeah. I kind of got tipped off on my own because. Um, I follow her on Instagram and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she was posting about shows in LA and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, if you're in, if you're in, uh, Atlanta, how could you be? And then I'm like, Oh, yeah. wait a minute. And so, uh, same thing, I think with, uh, um, Merle and I forget the actor's name, even though he's really great. Oh, um, Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind uh, of, it's like Rucker, really, right? yes, yes. Yeah. Good job, Garrett. Um, so I think that they're trying to they're in a holding pattern and they don't want to give away too much cuz maybe yeah. it's still really up in the air so I just you know if it's Glenn then I, with the comic I think I'm done. I don't know why I've become so attached to him but uh yeah if if he gets if he gets his head caved in I'm not going to cuz it was I mean if you guys haven't seen it in the comic just look at those few panels. Yeah. And it's just ugh, like <laughs> Yeah, I think really, that, yeah. I think that's the thing where like for comic readers, like they really understand the significance of Negan's entrance and um, you know, it's more than just like spending this whole six months between seasons trying to figure out and speculating who dies kind of takes away from that input impact. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that kind of, you know, is unfortunate for the show followers who maybe don't know any better, but at the same time, like, it, it, it could have been done in a different way that would have satisfied, you know, both groups, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. It, it really cheapens the, uh, it cheapens the performance because 
uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was amazing. Like he was, yeah. he really just sold it. Uh, and one of the things about Negan is that he's not necessarily charming, but he's charismatic. And we say that in terms of, you know, charismatic leaders like dictators or, you know, despots, um, you know, people who just have sway over, you know, their minions or their uh, thugs, goons, if you want to call them. Um, and, and he, he, did that perfectly to a T. Now in the comic, he's a big, he's a bit of an asshole and he looks like an asshole. And again, just look at the few panels. Like even his hairdo bothers me in the comics. Like where do you, where do you find that much hair gel in the apocalypse to keep your hair slicked back like that? <laughs> Doesn't he have like a widow's peak too? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think him not being able to have that ownership over that character that he kills, uh, yeah at the end of the episode really sort of takes away from his performance and the character. And, um, you know, the arc in general, there's a lot of nuances to him and I feel like they're going to rush that and having this that they have to contend with in the season opener is just going to take away from the rest of the stuff that happens. Um, especially I think he likes Carl, not like in a molestery way, but, um, he's taken a liking to him because Carl has that, uh, sociopathic look in his eye, whether or not, you know, he's got his little Enid girlfriend and all that other good stuff. And he seems like a normal kid. Like he's, he's a psychopath. Yeah. So in the comics, he kind of has a, isn't it like kind of kids in general? Like he takes a liking to like, just in a, I don't know, not a mentoring way, but I don't know. I don't know. Like I haven't read a the rule comic. against killing women and children or something, right? Okay. So that, yeah. That, I think, that yeah. Okay. Uh, it, well, yeah, in the, in the comic, he, uh, they actually, um, I'm not really sure how it goes down. I have to get a refresher myself, but he ends up, uh, taking Carl, Carl, not hostage, but just sort of back to the complex. And they spend a few issues, um, with like one-on-one, -on -one, he's trying to give Carl like fatherly advice and, um, you know, asking about the hole in his head and all kinds of other weird stuff. So it, again, like I said, that it shows, it shows him not as like this, brutal murderous savage but you know as a guy that probably didn't have a father figure um so you know again like i said nuanced and that just for them to spend the time on what character gets killed at the beginning of next season just takes away from all the other stuff that they could be doing with him you know yeah um so kind of backtracking because there's a couple other um, potential victims that i wanted to talk about um, you talked about how like Abraham kind of had, um, some ni a nice closing to his arc as far as like his relationship with mm -hmm. Sasha. Um, but I also kind of th think you could say the same thing about Eugene in that episode because he had the scene where he gave the information about making bullets to Rick mm -hmm. and then, mm -hmm. you know, driving the RV on his own. And that was kind of like his, you know, coming into his own moment, um, so I feel, yeah, so I feel like if it was like if they wrapped everything up in that one episode, he would have kind of been the logical person from a story point of view. Yeah, yeah, true. Because that was the thing. I was like, well, Eugene's kind of invincible because he's the only one that's smart enough to, you know, make the bullets that are eventually going to be used in this sort of stand against Negan. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but he gives he gives the uh, the bullet recipe. I'm not really sure what you call that a schematic. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's a bullet recipe. I think that's the actual <laughs> yeah, technical. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with, yeah, because you bake bullets or something. <laughs> so they, in theory, could figure it out for themselves, thus negating his value. And yeah, that was a pretty, uh, that was a very bro moment between all of them, between him and Rick and, and Eugene and, yeah. uh, excuse me, Abraham. Um, yeah. They all sort of said their goodbyes and, yeah, this is, you know, you're a survivor. You're a, not a cowardly douche anymore. Um <laughs> And he see, and he really seemed like he would he was ready to die, but then he gets dragged out with the rest of the group, and he's all weepy and beat up. So I don't know. I just I really don't think that it's going to be. It can't be. Obviously, it can't be Maggie. Can't be Rick. Can't be Carl. I don't know who else is out there. Uh, um, do you Michonne? think it could be? Do you think it would be Aaron? Do you think they would like wimp out with such a? I mean, I like Aaron, but he's the. A minor character and sort of give a major death to yeah to Aaron. You're, gonna, you're really gonna beat to death the only gay guy in the apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point um <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think he's gonna get a pass there um but and that was the other thing too is when i saw them when i saw him get onto the to the maggie bus i was like oh man it better not be aaron because i like him too yeah um, and he's definitely a character that they could spend developing more that they haven't uh, and it's really unfortunate. He's just kind of been like a me too kind of person. Yeah, so. they really, I mean, he had a lot of, he had some good moments, like just with his introduction last season. But I feel like in season six, there wasn't as much going on for him story-wise. And where the hell is his boyfriend? Like he's been gone for like a season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently he shows up in like didn't one he get, shot. Didn't he get injured? Him. Like yes, like, yeah. I first found him. I think he was injured or something. But oh yeah, that's true. His, his I, leg yeah. or his ankle is tweaked or something. Yeah. Um, oh, and then one other thing um, that when you were talking about uh, Beth and how the actress who plays her was, you know, you kind of tell that she might get written off because she was doing other stuff, kind of like in her own professional, other professional areas of her life. Mm-hmm. Glenn, I've read, is well, Stephen Yun, the actor who plays him. He has an indie movie that shoots soon. Oh God! So mm. that might have that might have <laughs> some effect. Um, I mean, you could. I think it shoots like overseas, though. So I don't know if it will be conceivable for him to do both. No, no, no. If if that's yeah, and see, and the, the thing is that. I don't. I follow uh, Steve Yeun on on Instagram too, and I haven't gotten. Uh, the only thing that I know is he did uh, Conan O'Brien, and that was it. I'm like, oh no, he's dead. He's doing Conan. <laughs> so that information really does. Um, well, even uh, even not pictures of them doing other things, but pictures of the actual set was they always leak, and so you're going to see yeah. who is there and who. Now then you'll at least know who did not die really quickly. So why do they bother? Because we're going to find out anyway, and be like, it's going to be. You know, not as impactful when it comes back next season. Yeah, then that's that's kind of what I'm saying is if they leave it to to up to chance or interpretation, or they leave it to the fans, the fans are gonna we're essentially gonna ruin it for ourselves. We're gonna cannibalize the the thing that we love the most, you know. And yeah. all these, these cliffhangers, and I've read a few articles that that talk about how the show in general just isn't dealing with cliffhangers the way cliffhangers are supposed to be dealt with and game of thrones is apparently guilty of this as well but i don't watch that show because i can only handle so much death <laughs> in, my, in my entertainment you know but uh yeah i think it was in overall like my my thought about it is at the end of the day that it was a huge misstep and i'm going to keep watching 
but it's sort of like the I'm the angry boyfriend and I have my arms crossed and I'm waiting for my <laughs> you know? But Gary, yeah. you, you liked the episode, didn't you? I liked the episode. I thought just the whole buildup with you know getting roadblocked by larger and larger groups of saviors was really you know kind of thrilling and my heart got my heart pounding um and just like the slow kind of um erosion of rick's confidence that you can see throughout the episode is um you know just really great acting on andrew lincoln's part and just good character development too that we just don't always see with the walking dead like sometimes it's like you know because really this his this his confidence has really been start developed since like terminus and like mm-hmm. he keeps on encountering like you know more dangerous and more dangerous uh, villains and keeps on rising above it and defeating them and so it wasn't like well season six here is here we need rick to kind of lose his confidence so let's start making him seem confident now like no this has been developed for the past few seasons which i think is good yeah uh, i do have to say that he does he freaks out really well you could see it in his face at the end of the yeah in the finale that he was just like oh shit this is an entirely different animal that i'm dealing with here uh yeah because uh, before that the governor was probably the most you know the biggest threat because the wolves eh, you know so so they shank some people um the hunters so they ate some people um <laughs> You know, anybody, any group of people that can get taken out by Carol is not a group that's <laughs> surviving in the apocalypse in the first place. You know, she wrecked the hunters and the people at Terminus. And so. Plus, they didn't um, even have guns. Yeah. Which is, how, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is kind of, which that's like kind of an interesting, um, like, uh, not reality, but. It's it's a little bit of realism in that, like, finally, like, the idea of conserving bullets and running out of ammo is coming into play. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, because they've, I mean, they've had skirmishes, but I think in next season it's going to be, it's going to be a war. I mean, to yeah. not to sound like a promotional, you know, not to sound like Hardwick or anything, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a war. So, I mean, again, it's not like I'm not looking forward to it, but, you know, it's just. So you're going to keep watching next season? Ah, I, I kind of have to. You kind of have to, right? Yeah. yeah I might have to start writing about another show for a while. <laughs> well, I'm paying you both you know, $20,000 an episode for this podcast, so you have to keep watching. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, under, we're under contract. Yeah. I, I mean, wish we I, got paid that much. This, uh, this apartment on a Greek island just isn't going to pay for itself. I got <laughs> to do some writing every now and again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is uh, I think the episode before Rick almost shot one of them in the back. Uh, yep. Yeah, and he that and he was just trying to get his horse back, but he was waylaid, and um, Morgan kind of shoves Rick's arm, and uh, it didn't occur to me that that's who that was. But I was like, oh, well, who's that guy in the like? A, he looks like a a raider in the Fallout universe. But yeah, he had the body armor and the spear and the horse and everything, and and it didn't dawn on me until. Uh, he shows up after Morgan blasts, uh, I think, Miles or whatever, which was a cool moment, too, because you can't kung fu everybody in the apocalypse. You're going to have to shoot somebody at the end of the day. You know, if you want your friends to live, you're going to have to kill other people. Like, that's the, I guess, the core of uh, Morgan's problem and Carol's problem and all this other good stuff. But anyhow, so the knights show up, and right off the bat, they offer help. It's not like, yeah. who are you? 
where's your group? You know, like Rick has to ask the questions, like how many people have you killed? How many walkers have you killed, et cetera? They're just like, hey, let's get you some help. Your friend's hurt. Come on back. And uh, so they represent, they're like diametrically opposed to the saviors. You know, the saviors take and they kill without asking questions. And, and that's their modus operandi. That's how they get you to fall in line with them. Whereas the knights are, you know, chivalrous, we'll say, in not like a neckbeardy milady kind of way, but like in a, like a, you know, like a Knights Templar kind of thing. Uh, and so that's going to be a, a really, even though they they have spears, they still are people and there's still numbers. And once we see the kingdom and how it's run, I think it's going to be really exciting. And uh, gosh, I'm not even going to remember his name right now, but the guy with the tiger. Um <laughs> I think that's reason enough to watch the next season to ha- to see how they handle a tiger literally eating zombies and saviors and just wrecking shit. Like, oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty – in the comic, it's pretty great. So you, do you think they will adapt the tiger for the show instead of going like maybe a more, you know, television-friendly, accessible way to do it? Uh, see, I, <laughs> yeah, like a big – yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he might. You know what? That's you know, Jarman. That's not. It's a joke, but it's not without not outside their own possibility. They might scale it down to just like an attack dog or dogs. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know how many. Um, maybe you could. Maybe we could look this up. How many uh, like wild or like big cat trainers there are in in Atlanta? But uh, I, <laughs> I hope but, it's a tiger. That would be cool. <laughs> well, and the, for me, that's just the tiger to that character is just as iconic as. Lucille is to Negan, so you can't, yeah. you know, you have to have both. If you're going to do Lucille, you're going to have to do the tiger, which the tiger has a name too, and I can't think of it. I'm terrible. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I'm sound, it's, sounds like something I'm going to be looking forward to. Um, before we go into fear, I have one last point, and it's another, you know, speculation about who dies, and I love this stuff too much. I was a huge fan of Lost, so I love theories and analyzing and overanalyzing. But going back to Glenn, um, the point of view shot in that episode when they were in the truck, it was Glenn, Rosita, um, Daryl, and Michonne. I'm pretty sure it was Glenn's point of view, or at least at the very end when it's a point of view shot and they're exiting the back of the truck. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's like Michonne and Daryl are in front, and so it's either Glenn or Rosita's point of view, but it's probably Glenn's. Um, and I think the only other time this season where there was a point of view shot, or maybe even for the series, well, maybe not the series, but at least for this season, the only other time was when Glenn was on the dumpster oh. and he was looking at Nicholas. Oh, um, bastard, you're right. So if you want to look at it that way, deep it's cut. <laughs> yeah, deep cut. So the point of view shots so far have been Glenn. That's crazy. Oh my It'd be gosh. so great if they actually did think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, that could be the clue. That's true. Like that they're talking about, but you know, I don't, I don't really expect too much of the writers now. So I don't know how consistent they'll be with that kind of stuff. But we'll see. I love deep. Yeah, like we'll, we'll we'll see. I think uh, I think we should take bets now. Like. I'm saying it's Abraham. Obviously, Garrett, you're thinking. I'm gonna go Glenn. Yeah, Yeah, I'll go Glenn. Uh, Jarman, you have a pick. I think I have to go Glenn too. Just things are pointing to it. (sighs) Plus, he's getting more and more interest from movies and such like that. Otherwise, it's Daryl because he's also (sighs) getting lots of movie deals and such. Okay, he might just have to leave. 
Okay, Glenn with the side with the side bit of Daryl. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> yeah, so let's go on to Fear the Walking Dead, the uh, redheaded stepchild of the Walking Dead franchise. Um, so season two, right? First, yeah, mm-hmm. this is season two. What did you guys think of the first season? I live in the Los Angeles area, and I recognize a lot of the neighborhoods that they shot in. It was exactly what I wanted. Like I've always wanted, uh, like an urban zombie story and we kind of got that with uh like 28 days later and and stuff like that but it it doesn't really there's a, there's a few scenes that really capture like the claustrophobia of being in a really crowded city in a dense dense population and having everybody just lose their shit and like and you're really not safe and uh like I said in the review of the a few of the episodes address that like when um they hole up in in Daniel's barbershop for a while, and they're you know they're riding because they're not really, and the police start shooting people. I wish they would, yeah, and I really wish they would have shown more of that kind of stuff, you know. And I suppose that's just sort of time constraints, but that was that that was just enough, you know. I'm like a little baby bird, and they just dropped a, <laughs> a, a, enough drops in my mouth to keep me to keep me strong, and and so I ended up really enjoying it, even though they made some really odd decisions. Like when they decided to unleash the entire LA Forum's worth of zombies on the military base just to re- just to rescue oh, yeah. what, two people. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was like uh, I don't know, guys. But uh, I really like the actor uh, that plays Travis. Um, and now I can't think of his name, and it's going to bother me. Uh, and Cliff, Cliff Curtis. Yes, that's him. I just looked yeah. it up, so I can't. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, this is the first one I looked up. The other ones I remembered. Okay, oh, you cool. totally knew it already. Magic of Ed. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's on point. But yeah, I really enjoy the actor. And um, yeah, so it, I guess the the location really is what sold me more yeah. than necessarily like the story or the plot points. Because they like the quarantine episodes are also a little weird. Like, uh, I don't think that it would really go like that, but okay. Um but so here we are in season two, though. Yeah. Um, what do you got? What do you think of the episode? Huh. Well, I liked I liked it. Again, I really feel like, and this is me just being um, a jerk, but I really wanted to see LA burning a little bit longer. Yeah, they kind of just opened with everything on fire, and I kept wondering, like, are they going to go back to show how things all became on fire? But they never did. So yeah, they're like, well, here's here's some um, some fighter planes flying overhead. Like we're bombing, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's that's all the explanation you need. Yeah. But and I think production wise, it probably would have been too difficult for them to be in this like uh, destroyed metropolis and you know these ruined buildings and you know, zombies skittering here and there and, you know, roving bands of rioters and survivors. Like, I think that would have been too much for them. So they're like, oh, let's put them on a boat, you know? Yeah, but <laughs> it wouldn't have worked. But I was watching it and like, I was like, because I DVR'd it and I was like, did I jump ahead like halfway through the episode? And then it was really, that was really the beginning. And it's weird because like, I think time-wise it's supposed to happen like, you know, a few hours after the end of the first season. And so it was just kind of funny how like everything goes to shit in like such a short amount of time. Right. It was like they were, okay, they were eating popsicles. Um, Liza is bitten. <laughs> she gets blasted. And then, so there's this, this time period where, and there's nothing, you know, it's a beautiful 
sunset. You know, the the neighborhood's relatively untouched. There's no walkers there. And then and then we jump to yeah the first the first episode of the season and you know all hell is broken loose and all of a sudden there's walkers just having a stroll on the beach like it's <laughs> it's really jarring and um, they don't really properly allow they don't really show Chris freaking out about his mom so they have to make up for it in this episode which <laughs> that <Yeah>. kid <laughs> that's kind of creepy yeah it's it's bothersome that he spent. I don't know how many days do you think they've been on the boat? Would you say hard to tell? No more. I mean, yeah, no more than a couple. I feel like maybe even just one. Like they leave at night and then because they kind of talked about like not sleeping, and so mm-hmm. I can't imagine that would be longer than a couple days. And he's in the room with her body for that entire time. Um, yeah, that's. Oh, I want to mention before I forget. Uh, you mentioned how. It's that's interesting. You said that you live near Los Angeles. This show was kind of you were into it because of that reason. But it's funny because I was living in Atlanta when Walking Dead started. <laughs> so, and actually, the first iconic shot where he's riding his horse down that highway, you can mm. you can see my apartment building in the back. And like they, they made it look awesome. all dilapidated with CGI. But that's like that's that's where I live. I go down that road to work every day at CNN. So that was really strange. Um, but yeah, so I had the same kind of disconnect actually because actually. My ex lived in Ontario, where I hear you're from. Mm-hmm. That's where, oh. right next to L.A. And so I'd been there one time to visit her family, and that was it. So I didn't have this connection to L.A. like I did with Atlanta. And I knew all the cities and the weird uh, rural areas they were talking about. So for me, it's just like, uh, I don't really care about this area as much. But <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's interesting. And like I can pick out on certain episodes. I, can, I was like, oh, you know, like even down to like some of the cross streets. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's. That's flower right there, or you know, that's that's Maine or whatever. But so yeah, it really uh, that's how it endeared it to me. But like, so again, this kind of this episode is sort of like a non non episode. You know, they just kind of float on they're on the boat and they want to help people. But Strand is like, rightfully so. Strand is like, this is it's my fucking boat. <laughs> Why are you even talking about helping these people on the raft? Why are you even talking about rescuing these people on the radio? You basically are going where I'm saying we're going. There's, you know, there's no two ways about it. It's definitely a strand tatorship. Doesn't work as well as Rick tatorship. <laughs> nah, it sure nah. doesn't. But I thought I'd try it. <laughs> so let's go back a little bit there. Uh, so Garrett, with the, your the six episodes in the first season, what stood out for you? <laughs> um. Honestly, to me, it was kind of of a, of a forgettable run. And maybe that's just because I only watched it once and I need to rewatch it. But I just never really felt like any of the characters were all that compelling or even very likable. Like, it's a lot of... It's a lot of... I mean, it's, it's hard because I, we, I'm watching and maybe a lot of other people are watching with the mindset of, like, I've seen five or six seasons of The Walking Dead, like... I want action. I want, you know, guys shooting walkers in the head, shooting people in the head. But obviously with Fear the Walking Dead, it's not based on that. You know, we're starting at the very beginning, so you don't get that. So a lot of kind of the indecisiveness and inaction was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Frustrating at times. (laughs) Um, Yeah, frustrating. When in reality, like, you kind of do have to watch this show through the lens of like, okay, this is like day one. Like, what Mm -hmm. is a walker? Like you know, kind of mindset. And for me, that was hard. I think that's what made the first show so fascinating to people, and probably the comic too, but it reached a wider audience with the show where it's like, oh, we're waking up and it's already done. We're not watching it happen. 
we're not even trying to figure yeah. out how it happened. It's just like this is about the people and them dealing with that problem. And so I guess that that could be a good or a bad thing for other people watching this show where it's like we're going to see how it started and how people reacted to that. And that's the movie you're in the show you're used to as opposed to Walking Dead, which was so different at its time. I don't know. Maybe you just might me thinking that. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does because it was interesting in The Walking Dead. The they so they when they went to the CDC, yeah, and they were like, you know, and trying to understand and like, there's a cure, maybe there's a cure, maybe there isn't, but no, let's blow it up and let's go hide in the woods for like the rest of the series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, forget all this stuff. We're all we're all infected. We're all The Walking Dead. Good enough. Blow the shit up. Let's go. Like let's <laughs> let's get out of here. Um, whereas here in Fear the Walking Dead, and again, I think that they really did the show a disservice by having it only six episodes so they really can't show the uh the entirety of the panic that they really could have shown uh in this in this uh setting but um for me character wise yeah i um travis is an idiot his girlfriend is an <laughs> idiot they're they're junk well the only smart one is the junkie son uh nick um because he's He's on, he's on the streets, so he has he knows a little thing or two about you know moving and getting past things and surviving and, and stuff the like badass that. Badass Latino uh, grandfather, he's pretty awesome. See, yeah, Daniel, yeah. And that's what that's that's what I was getting to. You know, if there's one character I did really uh, take a shining to that I didn't think was uh, Daniel's character, and only because of his backstory, as pretty much uh, he was a is a, I don't know if this is a profession, but a torturer. Yeah, like with like some bad government yeah. agents in the South America or something. Yeah. I, I want to say it was Argentina. Mm. We'll probably hear about this, you know, historically, you know, there was a, a, a I think it was Pinochet in Argentina. I, I better look this up. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, I, if I screw this up, but he was, uh, he was uh, on the wrong side of the regime and, and, uh, and tortured people uh, or no, it was Chile. Okay, excuse me. Oof. Oh man. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, and to find out that, that that's what he did when you first thought that he was just trying to get away from the horrible stuff that was happening down there, and you found out that he was contributing to that horror, and it really, um, I think it leads up to this really great moment where uh, his wife—I uh, can't remember the character's name—but when his wife is dying in the hospital bed, and she's uh, in Spanish, she's confessing all the horrible things that she did and sort of like accepting what's happening to her as her punishment for, um, you know, essentially being like these, like a demon or a devil. It's really, really, I mean, there's a lot wrong with the show, but that scene like, oof, really, I mean, I, if, if you should watch, if you were going to watch it over again, pay special attention to that part, Garrett. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. For, it was nuts for me. And yeah, um, and she passes and they hit her in the head with the thing and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Something I, I will mention as, of course, it's like, you know, white bread, white guy here. But uh, I, my, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time when this, the first season came out was full blood Cuban. So she actually watching the show just happened to know she's like, wow, there's actually a lot of Latino representation in this show, which is actually appropriate for Los Angeles. It's like, go figure. They never do that on television. Um, otherwise, they'd be like, you know, completely white people all in Los Angeles on most shows. But and the same thing for like the regular Walking Dead show. I mean, it kind of did that because living in Atlanta, I mean, as far as I could see, it was mostly like 70% like black population there. 
And there's a few black characters, but they usually kill them. So, <laughs> so it's kind of nice in the show having lots of leads, you know, they're Latino in that area. It just kind of makes a lot of sense. And it made it feel just that much more realistic to me. Just the same, yeah. the same reason yeah. why I hate shows that only have gorgeous people in them. I can't believe them. Like this show, there's also people, that look, you know, kind of like regular people you could see next door or something. It's kind of neat. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Um, and it's funny because I think, uh, I think the actor that plays Travis Garrett, what was his name? Oh, Chris. Cliff Curtis. Chris Curtis. <laughs> I think, I think he's a Maori or, or some yeah, kind of. That's true. But he's, he, I think, um, you equate, uh, like Cholo or Hispanic because of his performance in Training Day. <laughs> That's true. He was downright terrifying. I think in I training. saw when he was cast in that part that someone played a video of like, all the races that he's played in movies because he's played like yes. everything because <laughs> yeah. he can pass as anything he wants. And so he's played like, you know, the, the Muslim terrorist, of course. He's played, you know, Latino guys. He's played everything because you can't place him. You could be anything. Yeah. That's a great way to but be yeah. an actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it really is. And so, and you know, maybe that's an, uh, also part of it. I mean, I'm not one of those people that feels like if, if I don't see my culture, my heritage uh, represented, then I automatically don't like it. I'm like, fine, you know, if the hero is black, white, Muslim, woman, whatever. It, you know, it, as long as you're telling me a good story, it's fine. But it is cool to see that, you know, if it is based in L.A., that, yeah, you're going to have a, a few Hispanic people. I mean, I guess Walking Dead has Rosita, and she's the only one you really need. because <laughs> There's not that much Latino population in where I live in Atlanta, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Rosita is pretty much the only Hispanic female you need in the zombie apocalypse. Um <laughs> I don't know if you've seen her on episodes of Fear the Walking Dead or, uh, or t- Talking Dead, excuse me, but she is like an 11 out of 10. Really? Yeah, when she's not wearing the military hat and I'm getting railed by now. Big Ginger. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you should. You ought to. You ought to. But um, so I think what I what I'm most curious about that we could talk about is um, uh, this, these pirates. Like, how is it that it's maybe day five of the apocalypse and they're already see like pirates that are sinking boats out there. Yeah. I was kind of surprised about that too. Cause like in the walking dead, I, well, I guess they get to like what this kind of the latter part of season two when like other human, other people really start becoming the major threat. Um, so yeah, to kind of kick season two off of fear with these other human, like these human threats seem kind of fast to me. But I guess, like, it kind of makes sense. I mean, there's looters, and, like, maybe it makes sense to kind of take that a little bit further. Yeah, it. but it, it seems uh, the way that they laid that trap uh, for Alicia, it seems, it seems a bit far to go if all you really want to do is shoot them up and take their stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, they kind true. of, and I don't know how much that Alicia had told them, Um which you know if they are on a yacht or where they are or whatever because if uh if they know she's on this luxury liner then i guess it would behoove them to like earn her trust and kind of figure out as much as they can so they could take it intact but yeah it just seems kind of seems kind of early for people to be taking advantage of the situation again i think when you said rioters i think that's where it would most of the violence would be happening because people still haven't fully processed what's actually happening and they're still focused on man i'm getting a big screen tv or an ipad or something you know 
yeah. not really thinking of the long term, like I'm going to get eaten. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I mean, do you, do you know if they're going to do a six uh, a, another six episode run or? I think it's longer. I think it's it's fifteen episodes for season two. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. But, so who was the bigger jerk in the episode? Was it Alicia for chatting up this Jack guy, or was it Chris for giving his mom a very impromptu burial at sea? Oh man! Uh, I was texting someone during the show. I'm like, "All right, this is episode of unnecessary slow motion shots and angsty teens." So <laughs> I was kind of tired of her angsty teen thing, and Chris obviously that that character. I was like, "Come on." Like, can we just, yeah. I mean, I get they had to play, they had to show that it took, had an effect on him. That his mom just died. I get it. But, and her like, oh, I met a boy on the radio. Let me tell him. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say Chris was worse, I guess. Like at least Alicia, like they kind of like, didn't Travis like ask her to kind of use the radio and try to contact people. So did. That's true. at least she was kind of doing what she was supposed to. Right. Um, but, but in teenage girl fashion, she sloughed it off and like sort yeah. of playing dream phone with a boy. Yeah. I think for me, just like with my kind of, it's hard for me to relate to these characters. It just seems to me like these are the, like, what, Travis is an English teacher. And then I think, um, his, what's his girlfriend's name? It's Maddie. Madison. She's yeah. like a counselor. It's like, those are the people who die. Like, these aren't the people <laughs> who, like, at least in The Walking Dead, like, Angsty teenagers they're led by die. Rick and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully. At least in The Walking Dead, they're led by Rick and Shane, who are police and, or sheriffs. And so they have experience with, like, you know, life or death situations and firearms and whatnot. So it makes sense that they would kind of survive, but yeah, like, a, yeah, for Darryl's me, just a seemed... biker dude, uh, Rosita yeah. was in the military, wasn't she? I think she was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so, like these people make sense. <laughs> yeah, her, yeah. Both her and Abraham were in the military together. Yeah. yeah. Hence the pairing mm. that didn't make sense, but it's over now. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought it was really um, kind of early to show uh, they had the raft with people on it and then the yacht just kind of sailed by and like Strand didn't want to stop. Travis went to go talk to him, but kind of backed off because he did kind of realize that the kind of us versus them aspect of it. And so I kind of thought that was maybe a little early to bring that into um, since I don't think we really got that in The Walking Dead until maybe later seasons, or at least yeah. like maybe season three and on. They stayed good longer, you mean? Kind of like... Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's all Strand's doing. I think that if, you know, they had beat him over the head and took his boat, <laughs> they would be helping people, but... Uh, so you think if, Travis, if it was Travis's boat, he would have stopped? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, it is, it is kind of early because I think... Again, going back to why they decided to burn down all of L.A. so quickly, I think they would have spent more time in the city. And this is still at a point where we'll say resources are plentiful. So maybe people outside the quarantine zones would still be trying to help people and scavenge and form groups because, you know, safety in numbers and, and whatnot. Not really understanding that, you know, these people could be bad or infected or whatever. But I think I think that was sort of the purpose of the... Um, that whole arc where they were quarantining people and their ulterior motive was just bomb the shit out of them after they left. Um, so you don't have that dynamic of, Oh, we're still in the city and we're trying to figure it. We're holding up in the, um, you know, at Staples center or something like that, you know, which, yeah. you know, they could have, they could have yeah. done all, they could have done all this stuff, but no, let's get on the boat. Ah, it's cheap. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Cheaper, right now. But, 
again, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm, you know, it's like a codependent relationship. You know, I'm here whether, you know, good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, you're kind of just, you were too far down that road where you just have to kind of keep watching. <laughs> yeah. Because like you said, I like Daniel. You said his name was. Um, he's really cool. So I think that has possibilities. I really wouldn't care if the lead character guy and his wife died or his <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Those other characters are much more interesting to me, but maybe they'll become more interesting later on. Who knows? They might. It's so early on. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty uh, much blank slates, I guess. You know, the two uh, Maddie and, and Travis. They're, you know, they are they are meek and timid or whatever, so they can sort of project whatever emotions need to be to drive the episode forward. You know, Daniel's the secretive torture guy, and uh, his daughter Griselda is like the quiet wounded one that we only saw like twice in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's gonna. I think. I'm calling it now. Maybe we could take bet. Nick is going to be the only person that survives this series or this show. Really? So everybody else gets killed off. Everybody else gets killed off. Yeah. Whoever he might meet people along the way that he keeps alive, but I think he's he's sort of like the the LA version of Rick Grimes, which is kind of weird to say. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet Alicia is the last one to survive. Okay. There Just you go. To piss me off. It'll be her. <laughs> hmm. You know I. I think I'll kind of take, maybe take the safe bet and go with Travis just because he is the main character, which is kind of a cop out. Yeah, you're probably right, though. You'll probably end up being right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll probably be sending you, I don't know, Steam gift cards or something, whoever. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Stuff. I'm doing stuff. Thanks for listening to the first ever episode of the Stuff and Things podcast. If you have questions that you'd like to have answered on the show, send us an email at stuffandthings at aplayonnerds.com. That's stuffandthings, T-H-A-N-G-S, at aplayonnerds.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Garrett Tweets and read my weekly reviews on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as Jerry's reviews on The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead at aplayonnerds.com. I'm doing stuff. You try anything. Anything. What were they? What? The things. I don't say anything. Everything. That was a stupid thing you did. Thanks. You good at Maggie. You've done harder things. Okay. They see you.